So today, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, I invited Mike Crane up here. Most of you guys know Mike and Tracy and their whole family. Show him a little bit of love. So you were a former state senator. You've run for Congress. You have the ear of the governor in a certain way. You have a lot of friendships and relationships and connections. But this is not really a political conversation. I'm kind of framing this, right. how, you know, where we're going to go today. Mike has a show called, is it On Common Ground or Common Ground? Common Ground. Common Ground yeah. that's on your YouTube channel. That's produced by Red Kudzu. They put that out. They do a good job. I was on his show last week. Did you guys yeah, decide we'll, to air that, or did they oh, get no, cut? We're gonna, no, we didn't can it. No, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to air that one. It's probably our longest conversation, too. So y'all yeah. look for it. You it's get a preacher cool. on there, and watch out. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, obviously, we ha it's an um, election season. Um, but I don't, I don't really want to talk politics, and I know you don't really either, you know. But so this is not a conversation and there's people watching online and there's people all over that that are looking for what do we do in this crazy season right now so let me just kind of I got some thoughts let me wrestle with these and get them out for a minute and then we'll go from there sound good yeah uh, so you know I don't this is not a conversation on how you should vote that's not what we're doing here trying to tell you how to vote um, I'm sure there's some opinions that we could address, you know. I, I, in transparency, I lean conservative, certainly, probably libertarian in a lot of ways. You know, I think we should protect life. I think we should protect our borders because of all the sex trafficking and drug trafficking that happens across our borders. So, you know, there are policies and points that are important to me, and those might come up. But, you know, what I wanted to talk more so about is just the idea of how did we get to a place where the church is scared to talk about what's happening in the world? How? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Um, it feels that way. I mean, not yeah. in our church. Yeah. I, I don't feel like that's ever the issue. I mean, this, the way you present the gospel is all about empowering each of us to impact the culture around us, to fulfill the ministry God has for us. And I, I mean, that's why I love one of the ma many reasons I love coming here, but it, you're helping each of us find our ministry in the kingdom. And the American experiment's not a whole lot different from that, or at least as it was originally conceived. You know, so what I, I like to ask people to do is, is, so as a church community, we have a common reference point, and it's the Bible, right? I mean, it's, we don't walk into this room we might have different translations and versions of it, and we look at different ones, but we always try to go back to the original text of the language, right? What was being communicated? What was being conveyed in the Hebrew or the Greek? You know, and so in the same way, and that gives us an ability as different as we all are in this room and in, the, in our church community to have a common, common ground, common right. goal. And our Which nation, we're not seeing. We're just well. In our nation, we don't see that anymore. Yeah. And but I like to step back and direct people back. We've got to find that again. Mm -hmm. What is it? Well, it's it's not necessarily the Bible, but I would argue it's two things: the Declaration of Independence, which is the why of America, and then the Constitution, which is the how. Those two documents, for most of our history, we all agreed that that's that was kind of 
the essence of America. Mm -hmm. And on the ballot this time around are two different views of what those documents mean. And the challenge is for Americans is to, you know, there's some pretty giant personalities in this election, or yeah. at least one, right? <laughs> and, and it's hard to get away from that. It's hard to look past that. But right. I, what I ask people to do is try to find what, in what direction do either one of these policies take us? Right. They're not aiming at the same thing, friends. And, and people don't know that. People don't know that the idea to first off reframe how the why the why as if it were founded either on slavery or for you know controlling purposes so it's like being reframed you know and i would never make excuses for slavery but that's not why this nation was founded right. it was founded religious freedom freedom from persecution of a, of a controlling nation. I mean, mm -hmm. you can probably give better language to it. Well, the, the language was simple in the Declaration. We, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. And here's the core of the why of America, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. So the why is... That we that was impressive, by the way. You didn't do the you know the thing, <laughs> the thing, you know, the thing, you know, you know, the thing. You actually quoted it. I thought you said we weren't going to get political. Oh, sorry, but that's only in, that's inside baseball, right? Yeah, so anyway, if you watch the news, you know what he's talking about. But uh, the thing of America is really powerful, it's unique in human history. No other government was formed on that idea and out of that idea, mm -hmm. and so. I think most Americans would agree, yes, we want that, but they've lost track of the how and how we accomplish that. And it's, it's a similar argument within the Christian community today. How do we accomplish the gospel in our own lives and, and in, as the kingdom advances? Right. And it takes personal responsibility. Right. And so the two worldviews on the ballot today, I would argue, is one of personal responsibility, um, and the other one is of... of coddling that the government's going to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. And these things aim at two very, very different end right. results. And history tells us which way the other one ends. History doesn't tell us how our idea ends because nobody's ever done it before. We're not done yet, mm -hmm. right? We're getting better all the time. We defeated slavery. We defeated racism as, a, as an institution in our, in our country. We've defeated so many things and we're advancing all the time and that's not the argument being made, mm -hmm. right? And right, it's, it's, it's reframing how it was founded from the beginning as right. if it were bad. And I'm, I'm reading a book, I'm listening to an audio book. I think it's called The Devil and Karl Marx. I forget the author, but it, it's pretty good. It, it actually, I'm in this section where it's going through in detail Karl Marx's writings when he was in his 20s and a lot of socialists and communists or quasi-social, you know, there's a bunch of socialists in this country that think socialism is just the government provides free healthcare and education, but they don't know the end of it like you referenced. Mm -hmm. But in these writings, he's, it's, it's demonic. It's weird, it's perverted, it's sexually perverted. I mean, he's just railing against everything. And his people don't realize that his mindset and his heart influenced you know, socialism and communism and all the atrocities we saw. 
and how those same ideas, in other words, the institutions all need to be torn down. Nothing that exists is, is pure and holy, so tear it all down and start everything over. But, but really, it's a Luciferian, satanic mindset that just looks at the entire world and says, people are bad, anything they do, let's tear it. Well, it says people are good, but the systems are all bad, let's tear them all down. And that's right. what we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a, a redefining of, really kind of an erasing of, of, the, of history and reframing how we should look at it for the reasons to vote for these things. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody in this country that if this nation could afford it, thinks it's a bad idea to give free healthcare and education and all of those things would be great to give to people. But the, the pathway to it is really eroding a lot of the internal and like you said, personal responsibility. I'm trying not to get political. No. I'm really trying to frame a mindset because here's how I look at it. I look at it as we're pursuing God, we're walking with God, we're trying to live out the principles that He's leading us to live out from our heart to participate in the increase of His kingdom. Jesus has set us free to live free within Him, and until the end comes and He fully sets up His kingdom on this planet or renews it or whatever that is, we are to pursue Him, and then we come down into the other things. And what I hear is a lot of times, especially evangelical Christians, I guess that's like a, to me, evangelical Christian is somebody that just tells other people about Jesus, but I guess it's like this whole political war idea mm -hmm. that uses, that wants to say that we are going to establish the kingdom, or the kingdom is threatened if we don't use this particular party to vote God into office. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, start with the kingdom and then work your way down into systems and how do we bring God into these things versus how do we use this to make sure that God is honored? And it's kind of meet in the middle. Does that make any sense? I've got these ideas that, so I think people are too dependent, even conservative Christians are too dependent on government, if they even care at all, mm -hmm to establish God, whereas the progressive is dependent on government to do God's job or what that person and God should do together. Right, yeah, especially to that point, uh, we go back to that idea I, I threw out of, of responsibility. And so the responsibility of caring for your neighbor lands to the voluntary work of ourselves. We, we're to do that. Or it's not to be forced by government. I mean, God doesn't approach us that way. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't say, this is how it's going to be, and this is what I'm going to do, and you're going to just do it. I mean, that's not the kingdom of God. Uh -huh. he is, it's his goodness that invites us in. And so in the same way, uh, before government became as big as it did, much all the good work that was being done in, the, in our nation was done by religious organizations. Oh, every hospital was founded was a religious, every college that was founded the was Bible religious. The Bible was the first textbook in schools. It was, I mean, everything had that as the framework and, and the heart of it, and it all came out more of a, a duty to God, not a, a owing it to your government type mm -hmm. thing. And so these are the things that are on the ballot this time around. They, they always are. It's not like this is the first election, these, these issues. But they're becoming more and more pronounced as we watch the separation in our country, mm -hmm. I think, get magnified. But you see a lot of that in the church, too. There's still churches out there that aren't meeting right now. 
they're yielding to government mandates and not even giving their people the opportunity to take the personal responsibility to show up at church, right? And so we're, we're seeing the, the weakness in the church because I don't think it feels grounded in its confidence to be an influence in the culture. They've yielded that to government. Right. Or, yeah. or just plain, or bad theology that, you know, you, you kind of set up what I, this passage, I wasn't sure how this passage was going to fit in because it doesn't really seem to make sense. But Courtney, would you uh, get ready for 1 Corinthians 15? I put a, pull it up in the NIV. I'm actually going to start in verse 20 and then go from there. But, you know, so to that point, they've Christians how, don't see how to influence culture. How did you say it? So, something like that. <laughs> she was listening. But the idea, the idea is Christians don't see how to influence culture. That's what I heard. How, you pull it down for just a minute. Um, don't take the personal responsibility to influence culture. Right. Have yielded that to government. Right. And, and, and really, yeah, it's important to vote, but don't just think that that person is going to be the one that legislates what we really need. You know, something that I, that I really believe is that they're still paying attention. And if the majority gets together, which in this nation is by far majority Christian, maybe you have some stats on how many Christians don't vote. I don't know if you have those numbers on top of your head, but you know, so anyway, let me, let me read this and then we'll go from there. Does that sound good? So 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 20, we're going to go through 26. Now, I'll exp I'm going to read it first, and then I'll explain why I wanted to read it. All right, so this is talking about the end, so to speak. So, but Christ has indeed, so he's, so he's making an argument for the resurrection. The Pharisees believed in resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't. And he, you know, he, Paul was a master of how to have conversation, especially in the political, or I mean in the, in the public forum, to create upheaval so that he could then go in and, and, and maneuver the conversation how he wanted. So let me read this. Hold the idea in your mind, Christians don't take the personal, personal responsibility to shape culture. I'm just going to say that's what you said. Yeah, that's All right. what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since... Death came through a man. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So let me, let me just side point. Go back to 22 for just a minute. Some are preaching this particular passage to say that everybody is going to be saved, but he's... This is, has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but the preacher in me wants to clarify this. So the next verse, but it's talking about, he clarifies it, 23. I'm pointing like this because I'm looking at the wall. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So there's still a clarification of who is in and who is not in mm -hmm. for those that watch. Anyway, 24. Then the end will come. When, and this, this is the idea. This is what he put on my heart for today and I think it will inform the rest of the conversation. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father 
after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. He must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Leave 25 up there if you would. So he must reign until he, put, until he has put all enemies under his death. You know, a lot of Christians have the eschatology, which is the study of end times, that just unplug, check out, let the world go to hell because it doesn't matter because we've read the end of the book and it's going to get darker and darker and darker and the Antichrist is going to come and it's going to be really bad and there's no point and so just let, it, let whatever happens, happens. That's one view. But you have to account for this. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Well, how does he reign? Right now, he's reigning through his church. He, God, Christ's kingdom being established in this earth, at some point in the end will be how he comes back and, and exercises his sovereign rule and dominion over this planet. We don't really know when what that looks like or exactly what's going to happen up until that point. But until that point, he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. Are you with me? In other words, our expectation as the church should be Christ will reign until the end. Well, how's he going to reign right now? Through us. We are ambassadors. We are kings and priests on this planet. We are carriers of the gospel. We are shapers of culture. We are the ones who are citizens of the kingdom. So imagine this. You can pull that down now. Imagine this. Imagine that God's kingdom is real. You know, you can locate it just off the earth's surface or something like that. Or just even put it, just, just imagine with me for just a moment. I just kind of want to create an idea and then we'll go from there. So there is the kingdom or the nation of China. There's Russia. There's America. And there's all the other ones. And there's the kingdom of God. God's domain and realm is a sovereign nation. It exists. It has citizens. It has a ruler. It has laws. It's a real place that exists like this is a real place, albeit spiritual. That place is ultimately the sovereign of us all. But once we all yield to that kingdom, like if we could all turn in our citizenship as Americans and just go live as pure citizens of heaven on this planet, what would that look like? If every person on the planet did that, it would be amazing, right? Now, so I'm creating the long-term ideal to back its way into how we're thinking now. We live as if heaven is so far off into the future or it's distant from this place. This place is on a you know, crash course for destruction. There's no use. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to care. I'm not even going to pay attention. I'm not going to do anything I can because it's just all going to burn and it doesn't really matter anyway which I think is incredibly destructive. And I think that is a lie of the enemy that has rendered the church ineffective. It has rendered the church impotent. It has left the church sitting here, going to church, playing church, being nice to each other as much as we can, but checking out of the world, not voting, not going out there, not holding some people. There are some people that God has called to go and run for office. 
whether you win or lose, go run for office because it's your opportunity to shape culture in some way. Now, you know, we don't want it to be where we're approaching it from a religious perspective. This is where I kind of lose the language a little bit because I see it in my mind where we are Christians kind of stepping down into a system to hold office, to carry out God's direction temporarily within this system rather than trying to be under the system and establish God's ways through that system. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We carry God into those systems and then we govern ourselves and influence and shape those areas as led by God while we're in them. You help me see it that way. Yeah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit preaching for a minute. I feel, I'm not yelling. I feel like I'm yelling at you. Well, no, I, you bring up a good point. I, as you so say Christians those words. Care. Yeah, and, and then Jesus said it this way. I mean, he, he had a few prayers, but when the disciples specifically asked him, how then shall we pray? Mm -hmm. it, it was all, these are the things we're going to do. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, it's a direct, what you were talking about. Right. Here's the kingdom of heaven. As you're on this earth, do that. And we're ambassadors. We're, we're, we're a royal nation, a holy priesthood, set apart and sanctified by God for good works. And that includes in the structure of government we have, that means going to vote. No Christian that's serious about their faith should not go to the ballot box. Well, it, I, I think it's in my mind it's like 30 million. 30 million. They say somewhere around 30 million Christians did not vote in the last election. That's a staggering number in an election that it's was... 10%, almost 10%. Of the entire population. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, when you have that lack of participation, there's, there's fundamental flaws in their thinking, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, it's the, the system's not broken. Everybody has access to the ballot box at least twice, right? <laughs> and um, you can mail in your ballot and go vote. We'll see how all this pans hopefully out Hopefully it doesn't this time end up around. in a ditch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but their excuses just betray a greater defect. Mm -hmm. And it's in their theology. It's in what they think of their role in this society. And to your point, I mean, it's just part of our ob obligation to carry Christ into the world. Mm -hmm. And and that's be, being able to see the future to some degree, see out the consequences of our actions. And sin, one of the definitions I, I like says is to miss the mark. Yeah. Well, we've got two choices on the ballot. They're very different. They're, it's a binary setup. And they, which one's aiming closest to the mark? Is the question you've got to ask, I like, ask yourself. I like phrasing it that way. Which one is aiming closest to the mark? Because there are people out there that are saying that, you know, Trump is King Cyrus or Trump is God's man or Trump is this or that as mandated by God. Well, it's like maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't really try to go into that, that aspect of the conversation as much as it is. Even the, and, and I have a lot of friends that will not vote for him because they just don't like the guy. They don't like the way that he talks. They don't like the way that he treats people. Maybe they don't even like the way that he dances. I mean, it really can be that dumb. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, how do you get over how abrasive he is or being scared to death of Biden maybe because of the socialistic, you know, how, how do you clear out the, 
the hyperbole and the hype and really look at, all right, what is it that they're, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you help people look at? Well, I think you go back to policy and then see how much that lines up with, I mean, we're Americans, so we've got a constitution. How, how does it line up with that? That is our only framework of government. It's, um, it's just the same way when you talk about our Christian life. Don't let your circumstance de determine your view of God. Well, don't let our circumstances determine our view of the American framework of government. I mean, it's clear, it's a short document. It's pretty, it's pretty simple to understand. And it really points to most government residing with each of us as individuals. The federal government has enumerated powers in Article 1, Section 8, uh, essentially 14 things they can do. How many of you would believe that they actually do more than that now? <laughs> a lot more. I still argue, I, I challenge folks all the time, show me one area of your life the government does not have say in. I don't know that one exists. And so um, that's not the American form of government. We have strayed from the mark. Mm -hmm. And so I would argue that uh, President Trump, and more particularly his administration, is aiming us back closer to the mark of the American ideal than what Biden and, and his, you know, the folks that are in his camp are telling us where they're going to take us. Um, universal health care doesn't work around the world. I mean, we have evidence of it because you take competition out of it. If there's only a single payer, where's the competition in the marketplace to drive economies of scale, to drive efficiency, to drive innovation? Those things don't happen if there's only one buyer, right? Mm -hmm. And so the- Which really just sets up, you know, pe people that are trying to say that the, this nation is corrupt, wants to give all the power to one entity which breeds corruption. Oh, it does. And, and, and so corruption of uh, uh, power abhors a vacuum. You've heard that saying, so, uh, or maybe not, but there's, if, if something's not controlling something, then power is going to take its place. Mm, and so uh, we're supposed to control, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union to establish justice, to, to maintain domestic tranquility, to ensure the blessings of liberty for future generations. The preamble of the Constitution says, in order to perpetuate this form of government, we establish these rules. And so that's what's on the ballot right now. Do you have a, a, a group of people that are aiming, to, that are trying to work within that framework of government, or people that want to supersede that and think they've come up with a better idea? Mm. And it'd be one thing if they actually had come up with a better idea. But what they're selling us is an idea that we've seen fail around the world multiple times. Uh, communism, socialism, those things failed. We tried it in America. You, there was a time when we tried socialism in America. Who remembers this time? I know Lyle probably does, right, Lyle? So we, just in Jan the hot seat. I'm picking on him, you know. They, you let him out of the cage, I noticed. It's, yeah. it's how, is it freedom? Is it, it's awesome, right? It sounded great this morning. It was nice seeing, seeing yeah, his nice face. Nice setup. I, I digress. There. Is there something about just being up on this stage? You just digress sometimes, rabbit you, trail. Yeah, it's the it's the anointing of distraction. Oh, you know? I distract myself. I don't know. There's it. an open portal of distractive heaven. I don't know. People. So go back to Jamestown, things. right? If you remember some of your your terrible public education you got <laughs> when you were younger, Jamestown was one of the first settlements in the colonies, correct? 
And one of their first goes at, at things was just, well, everybody just do what you can, and, and then we'll bring it all together in a pile, and now then we'll hand is, it out. What year are we talking here? Long ago, 14, okay. uh, 15, 1600, somewhere in there, right? A okay. long time ago. I don't know the years. I didn't do well in school. Anyway, <laughs> so they, they bring everything into a pile, and guess what? Half the people die that first winter. Half of the entire settlement dies because there's not enough. Right? So then they said, oh, wait, maybe we won't try that way. We're going to give everybody property. You got your farm, your farm, your farm. They divided the settlement up into things and said, produce for yourself, and then if there's excess. And within two years, they were selling to the Indians. That's the difference. Those are the worldviews at stake in front of us. If we would let the free market take over health care, it would be cheaper, it would be better, it'd be more accessible for everyone. But we don't. It's one-sixth of the U.S. economy and, is, and over two-thirds of the dollars spent in it come through the government. It's a train wreck. And um, it's, that's got to change. But that one party is, set, try, is taking us down the path where that is monopolized. And we've, we see the results of it all around the world. Canadians come to America for health care because the waits are too long in Canada. And those with means will come down here and pay for their procedures. Um, so those are the things. And, and so when the ballot box comes up, what are Christians supposed to do? They should go to the ballot box and vote with a sense of understanding and purpose. I mean, not, we're not voting to be Europeans, or hopefully we're not. You're not voting to be, you know, Chinese or, or communists. It, it, there's the American ideal, and we want to reinforce that. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if you look at it, it was all based in Judeo-Christian principles. Mm -hmm. You couldn't create that framework of government yeah. outside of that, that. That's something that hit me in, in listening to you and kind of being willing to talk you know, more open. Because I've paid attention for a long time, but not really... I don't know, try, I just tried to keep it separate. But you know, if you read the Constitution, you read the Founding Fathers, and they talk about God because that's the accusation that they were just deists, they weren't really Christians, and some of them probably were, but the reality is no other, if, if I can say it this way, because there's only one God, but if I can say it this way, no other God values freedom, right? No other God values uh, liberty. And, you know, it's all either service or personal suffering or any of that kind of thing. So, you know, to me... That, that, that was a revelation on, of course, they were believers because that is who God is. He is a God of freedom, liberty, and personal responsibility, and he works with you to lead you and guide you as you are sovereign in your own world, you know, over yourself, then you yield to him. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you said it this morning. You just said, don't, you've got to own up for your own decisions. Mm -hmm. And there's a large portion of the population that is finding more comfort in letting somebody else worry about all those decisions. And Christians, a lot of times, because of bad theology. Do they, that. They've yes. checked out. It's, it's all on God. But I would say, don't yeah. forget, he's trying to rule and reign through us. You know, So it's not like we're going to try to vote in a particular party that is going to you know, fix everything for us. That will never happen. But right. as believers... As citizens of heaven, as uh, members of God's kingdom, just one way to influence and shape culture is vote. 
That's just right. one way. Yeah, it's and, not the end all be all. Right. And it's you know, it, and it would be nice if we could actually live in such a way where Christians impact the culture to the degree that government can go back into its corner where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So, did you have something? Well, I mean, go back to uh, originally government, God was so in, intimate in his desire to be with his people. There wasn't a government in between. It was just when the people begged for a king. Yeah, they asked for it. Yeah, I, I was like, no, I, you, we can do this together. Yeah. I can, I can make you what I've designed you to be. You, if you cooperate, we're going to end up at that place where the world is going to be a really awesome place and, and if you do, if and we go this And that's what way. it will be. The yes. only difference is we'll have different bodies that yeah. won't be choosing against them. Yes, yeah. So that's, that's the thing, and that's what we're trying to motivate. And to your point, there's never been the perfect candidate on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And you're, we're not doing that. We're trying to perpetuate a culture. We're just trying to move it on for our kids. And, and right. if we have enough foresight and vision, and if we just read enough of history, we'll see what the other side has to offer. It's not like that's not been tried. Done, been there, done that. You go read all the communist five-year plans in Russia and how many millions, not thousands or tens of thousands or 223,000s or whatever, there, how many millions died because of starvation, because their five-year plans didn't work. They were Jamestown on steroids the first winter. Mm -hmm. People don't do if they don't get to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Well, and so this, this may be a little political, but I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of a tweet. I'm thinking of a tweet. Any, any sentence that starts that way is not a good sentence. Right, here we go. But so, so one particular, I'll, that was pretty good. I'll just, say, can, I'll just say it that way. We'll leave yeah. it anonymous. Uh, on the left, put out a tweet that said, just put it out there. And then since remove it down, I pulled it down, said, don't, don't reopen the economy yet because a revived thriving economy uh, is good for Trump so let's keep everything closed down until after the election and then something like you know we're just talking about a few lost businesses or something like that mm -hmm. like that like that that is ultimately what I don't and I didn't you know you would have looked at that and been like oh that's dumb but if you really think about the and you let that play out and if that person has power to, to enact that idea, mm -hmm. that's full-blown communism. Yeah. And the end of it is death and starvation for all of those people who are casualties, who have those businesses, you know? And, and that sounds, you, say, you might think that's extreme, but what if that mindset were in total power? Right, and it's, that's what's on the ballot. That yeah. kind of mindset is on the ballot. Yeah. And, and, so, and not just one person, but a party. Right, and... So the, they're great challenges, and yeah. we're just days away, obviously, from mm -hmm. the election. And um, it's going to be interesting to see if people actually do. I, everywhere I look, I see lines. I don't know about y'all, but there, there are lines. How many I, of you have voted already, early voting? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Let, me, let me ask you this. So I'm going to go kind of basic on it a little bit because, you know, doing what I do, you kind of forget a lot of people people don't know the basics because they just don't get in the Bible as much as we do, and that's to be expected. It's just how it is. You think about these things. You can quote the Constitution. You know the orig original, or original documents and things like that. Why do we need government? 
Like, what is government? Why should, why okay, explain so th government? This is, all right, the, this is part two. Go ahead. Here we go. Right? This is going to go wild. That's the perfect. That's okay. It's the perfect question. Yeah. Why do we need government? And so that's the perfect question to ask in a church. You know why? Because we're sinful people. We people tend towards sin. Mm -hmm. So to restrain that impulse in the human condition, apart from Christ, there has to be a framework to restrain that when people are not restrained by their relationship with God. That's the role of government. And so what the things that God gives us that our government says are internal or, or cannot be removed, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, those things, those gifts of God to us cannot be taken, but they can be hurt or damaged by people that don't use those same restraints. So the government is needed because people tend toward evil, mm -hmm. right? And so why did the Americans who studied all this, they knew that. Through a Christian worldview, they already knew that all people um, tend toward evil apart from Christ. Well, and, and the left says all people are good, but it's the systems that are broken. So let's tear down the systems and right. then just, yeah, so back to your point. Right. So they, they, so they said, well, how do we control people? I mean, we know the government's going to be run by what? People. Oh, gosh, we got a problem already. So they separate the powers. You have the different branches of government. You've got the two chamber, chambers of Congress. And as you break these powers apart and separate them and make them compete against each other, you minimize the impact of evil. Our failure over the last, over my lifetime, sir, I'd go all the way back to, to Woodrow Wilson in, in the early 1900s, but the failure has been that we, Congress has done less and less of what it's tasked to do, and we've allowed the courts to take up more and more of the mantle. And so the courts are writing laws. That's not their job. It's not their job. Um, we have a, a nominee, I think, is going to get uh, approved Probably that, Monday, that yeah. may be one of the clearest thinkers uh, uh, along the lines of Clarence Thomas, who's from Georgia, uh, that understands that's not the job of the judiciary. I think in the hearings, if you watch the hearings at all, in a re response to a question from Senator Cruz, I think she said, uh, he's, he's, she said, Senator, that's your job. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just that was it. End of story. You know, didn't pontificate. Just said, he said, what about creating this or that? These, these rights. I mean, there's new rights that the courts want to create every day. And the Supreme Court is, we've allowed it to elevate itself to that position. But it, it, it was the, they specifically designed the court to be the least powerful of the three bodies. And we've allowed it to become the most powerful. It, it, and we all know it. We've seen it in our own lifetimes mm -hmm. where the courts have changed the absolute face of America culture by force of usually one vote. That most of those decisions that were very, contra um, uh, very you know, things against what I think is the American framework, they were all five, four votes, right? Five people, uh, basically one person, because four people were already in one camp, four people were in the other camp. You got originalists over here, you got progressives over here, and the one person in the middle is like, yeah, I decide. Uh -huh. when, this, when the right thing would have been to say, the court say, you guys do this. If there's so much force in culture to change the law, you do it, Congress. Congress is too chicken. They just like their job, and they like getting reelected. 
for the most part, <laughs> right? And so they failed to do their job, but the court should not have taken up. Remember where I said where power, you know, power will fill the void? Mm -hmm. They took the power because Congress didn't use the power given to them by us through the Constitution. And if we don't like what the Constitution says, guess what? We can ratify it. It's been changed 27 times. And, right? I, and I know you're, you're for term limits. Oh, yeah. That was one of the things that you ran when you yeah. were running for Congress. Yeah, I'm for, I, I, I like the guillotine, too, but that, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> All right, so two more things. I, diver, I diverge into the French Revolution, which was a total train wreck. The French Revolution was a progressive's version of the American birth. Go study that for a while. Yeah. It ended in bloodshed and the introduction of the guillotine. You don't like what I say? If you don't do it my way, that's where it goes. That's what the, the what did Facebook do? Right. The, the, it is the guillotine right. of our culture today. Mm -hmm. Twitter is the guillotine of our culture today. If we don't like what you're saying, you can't say it. Right. And, and, and people would argue, well, those are their platforms and it's their businesses, and, and I can understand that. But right. those people are also seeking to vote people in that think the same way that will ultimately, what does that look like long term down the road? So to this point here, because, you know, we're, we're kind of in this series that I've been talking about uh, a purpose-filled life and living with meaning. Last week we talked about living with meaning, and we talked about the idea of why do you get out of bed? You know, a lot of people, I think, are not fulfilled and happy, people dealing with depression, because we're avoiding responsibility. We're avoiding the hard things that actually give our life meaning. We're avoiding following God into those things that are difficult and challenging because we just want to have our nice little lives and our families and our businesses and leave me alone and I'll leave you alone and don't mess with me. But, you know, that's not necessarily a godly thing. You know, peace is godly, mm -hmm. but avoiding responsibility is not. And I, and I really fully believe that there are people that God will call into office locally, school boards, you know, um, just different local seats and positions. What would you say to people that care and maybe either look at the system, because you've done it, you know, you did it mm -hmm. for a long time, and look at the system and think, well, it's too far gone, it's not worth it, but feel a sense of, I really care about these things, and I kind of see that, you know, I feel like I understand these things, I feel like God may be putting it on my heart to move into either the political realm or some type of office or something, you know, since you've done that, speak to that in terms of living with meaning and being a Christian coming down into those things for the purpose well, of... Well, I was one of those people. I was yeah. outside of politics totally, just living my life, doing things that we had, you know, a level of success in our lives. And so we just were doing the church thing and the, what we thought God called us to do, but there was, there was something else. And um, God called us to that and pressed it upon my heart and equipped us to do what we did for a season. And for people that feel that, I would just encourage you step it out, whatever it is, if it's political office or if it's a new business venture or if it's specifically ministry related, the motivation to know that it's from God has gotta be one of love. I mean, at the end of the day, God operates that way. And so we, we use that word so casually. Yeah. I, what does it even mean, right? right? It's, it's interpreted weakness now. 
right. for some reason. Right, but it's an active, it's an action word. It's patient, it's kind. You know, patience is an action, believe me. It takes more effort <laughs> to be patient than it does to throw rocks, okay? It's an action verb. And so that love will motivate us to do these things. And so I just encourage people to step out. That's what you do all the time. I mean, there's this room full of ministers of the gospel right here. There's a, a, a world full of folks out there that they tune in every week because they're trying to fill, they feel the, the, the call of God. God leads us to a place. It's, it's almost like it draws us into the fullness of what he's got us to be. And if you, if you resist that, it's very frustrating in your life. Yeah. It's no fun. It, it's, and it can make you crazy. Yeah, you know, and you'd watch way too much Netflix or something, and you just you you just self medicate at that right. point, yeah, right? You, yeah, you just numb and going you don't, through the motions, that's, and that's not the kingdom. You're right. I mean, the glory of God is man fully alive. Right. And that's the occupy. Beauty. Jesus told them occupy, and that doesn't mean just sit. It means do business, get out there, expect for His kingdom to reign until the end. Oh yeah, it, it's paired. It, it's like it actually kind of reverses the typical mindset, which might be uh, wait until the end for his kingdom to reign. But he says right there that his kingdom will reign, must reign until the end. That's right. You know that's what I want to go away with. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe there's some questions. Maybe people are wondering. You know about it can be on anything really. But I'm just, I'm just wondering if anybody has any questions or you, something that you wanted to ask Mike and participate. I don't want to, it's not soapbox time because we're winding down, but any questions? That means we, oh, there's oh, one. We have one. So I guess my question is, um, I already know what I'm going to go for this election, so there's no doubt about that. Um, but Biden has said he's going to shut down our economy again if he gets elected for quarantine purposes. Um, but I know for Brian Kemp, he opened up our, up our economy and we're actually up six points from where we were before quarantine on our economy. It, does government still have, like our governor still has that authority that says, no, we're going to stay open? Or does when Biden says shut down, everybody's still doesn't want to? Well, the answer maybe I, maybe reframe the question quickly because I'm not sure if people on the right. So the hear. question was, it, it, it's, it's, let's say uh, Brian, Biden has already telegraphed that he wants to shut the as the news is saying, COVID's reemerging and it's going to kill a half million people between now and you know New Year's or something like that. That they he would shut the economy back down, and so the question was, does the governor have the power to not do that? And the answer to both is, well, yes, that seems what be what Biden says he wants to do. But and yes, the governor can do some things to that effect. But that's only within the state of Georgia. You go over to Alabama, if they're shut down, if they've decided that or you go to Michigan or you go to California um, or you travel outside the state, those restrictions, there's that overlap. And so it's affecting our airline industry incredibly in a negative way. And I think the president in his last debate said something. He says, we can't do that again. I mean, never in the history of the world have you quarantined to healthy people. It's just nonsense, folks. We know- And, and counted the virus by infected rather than- Right, and so they're panicking now because there's 
you know, the increase in cases? Well, guess what? There's an increase in testing. The more you test, the more you're going to find that the disease has made its way through much of the population. It's just telling us what's already real. And so... Um, Did that answer your question? Does that... Well, so, so like, from just a legal perspective, um, what's the law there if there is, is it, is it the state, each state can determine its own uh, well, you know, mandate? So, so in Georgia, the legislature gave the governor um, control back in, I think they did it in March. They, they under the guise of 15 days to slow the spread. Remember that? Yeah, they didn't print bumper stickers because it immediately changed into seven months to slow the spread or whatever. The problem with power when you grant power to somebody, it's they don't give it up. Yeah. It just doesn't come back. I've been talking to my legislative friends for months. One, I told them, don't ever, don't do it. Or if you do, put a very short time frame on it. But here we are seven months later and even our governor has maintained that power. The legislature needs to do its job and reclaim that and take it back, I believe, and say, okay, time's up. You, no more emergency powers. Let people do what they're going to do. Um, and so if you look at the way the Constitution's written, the powers re are retained. But the ones that aren't numbered in the Article One, Section 8, those 14, I think there's 17 enumerated powers, but four of them deal with the armed forces. Um, the there, the things outside of that are to be given to the states and the people, respectively. Mm -hmm. And so we should be governing our lives. We should be protecting those who are vulnerable in our lives. We shouldn't look to government to fix this problem. And we've never allowed government to, to take the healthy out of the equation. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's uh, been politicized. And well, it has, and there's no fallback position yeah. to step back out of it, no you matter know, if, what. If, what the, if the science is debatable of masks and all this stuff, you know, it, it's just, it's a mess. So, all right. All right. I've got a question here. We'll just make this the last question. Somebody watching online texted me a question. So, From what province of Canada did this come? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. There are a lot of Canadians. We love our Canadians. We do love eh? our Canadians. I didn't but mean this to... one actually is from a Georgian. Uh, this is Tori. Actually, this is from Tori. That Tori and Kate came and visited last week. If you guys didn't meet them, they're going to be hanging out a little bit more down here. But anyway, he says, and it's a great question, and I would be interested myself. What are some reading? What's some reading material you'd recommend based on some of the things that you discussed, Jamestown, and just oh gosh, America. I mean, what, what, what's some? What, so go to the basics. What's something that Christians need to read to understand? Well, I think we should read the Constitution. Yeah. I mean, we honestly need to be literate in our framework of government, and people aren't. We're not taught it. Um, they don't teach it in school. They don't teach it in college at a level that, of proficiency. Um, but a book called The 5,000-Year Leap uh, is a really neat book. Um, the Naked Communist is a good book, and it's, it's not pornographic, folks. It's <laughs> The Naked Communist. Who's right? that about? Uh, well, it's uh, uh, Leon Clausen, I think, wrote it back in the 50s, and it basically exposed communism and their goals. Mm. You know, so uh, communism was a worldview that was coming onto the scene right after World War II. It was emerging that way, and it was kind of all over the world. It, Russia was embracing it, and a lot of people were kind of 
I mean, it was everywhere. There was a Communist Party in America and all over the world, and we fought the Cold War over that. We fought in Vietnam over that. And um, so, so the naked communists. What was the other one? The five five thousand year leap. Five thousand year leap. What yeah. is what is that? Well, it talks about the beauty of of freedom. It talks about what happens when you unhinder what God has made us. And so it talks about how through 5,000 years of human history, we advanced from, you know, depending on your view of creation and whatnot, we went from, you know, clubbing people over the head with clubs and dragging women around by their hair, you know, that, that image, to not much advanced from that, but you just had shovels and picks, right? And in, in 5,000 years of human history, then along comes this thing called America. I mean, when America was founded, when Jamestown was it, they came over with the most rudimentary tools that even the Egyptians had. No change. And in, and in 300, 400 years, we put people on the moon. Why? Why? What, what was different? I would argue it was liberty, that people were able to dream and act and do with very limited government interference. Prior to that, all governments had been oppressive, dictatorial, and told you what, when, and where. I don't, I, that just doesn't fit with my own personal constitution. Well, and it, it, right? it, even, it even parallels our walk with God, our obedience to God. The strength of sin is the law. God wants you free. God didn't want to relate to us based on external laws written in stone. Uh, you know, it's evident in Deuteronomy where he wants to reveal himself and be with his people and lead them and guide them and teach them from his presence rather than from law. They told Moses, no, you go talk to him. We don't want that. Give us a king. You know, and so now we are free from the law in this realm of grace, which is really personal responsibility. If you grasp this message, mm -hmm. there's more personal responsibility in this message than any other Christianity because you actually are expected to live the way that God is leading you to live rather than, oh, you're just a dirty sinner and you're going to fail. It's, it's, it's weird how people miss that. But, you know, that, that, that's why I was willing to be more open about, see, about, you know, as a Christian and as a Christian leader and pastor going into those realms and talking about them a little bit more because I see the, the, the threat of godly principle, specifically freedom in that, yeah. which necessitates personal responsibility, which is, you know, really what you're all about. I don't know that I said all that very well. No, I mean, it's, it's essential. It <laughs> I mean, Jesus said this, is for, it is for freedom yeah. that I've set you free. Yeah. That's kind of an, an ob, a weird kind of statement, right? But it, it is really the essence. For us to become all that God designed us to be, mm -hmm. we've got to be free to do it. Otherwise, it, it's impossible for us to be what God designed us to be because he made us creative, energetic, um, in his image. Yeah. And it takes freedom to do that, to see it, to become that, to put people on the moon, to create cell phones and all the stuff we see. 
um, the creative energies, and we're just touching the surface of it. Yeah. There's so much more. There really is. If we, if we would. When you look at like the Teslas of the world and people like that. Right, that, that have glimpsed into the wonder of what all God has made. Yeah. And I, I just think we're, I love your optimism about the country. You know, sometimes I feel like you're reading my mail when you talk about folks that are <laughs> down and depressed and mad and not, you know, it's because I get frustrated a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And I'm frustrated by circumstance and I shouldn't be. And so you kind of help me lift my eyes to go, no, wait a minute. The, the, to the advancement of the kingdom of God, there is no end. That's right. And to me, that's all we need to know. Right. We are advancing with Christ to for his kingdom's glory. And it's all good. And we ought to aim at that as much as we can. And right. when we have a say in what we're aiming at, aim at that. And, right? But take responsibility for the say. Yes. Yeah. Do you which not? means vote. Please don't not vote. Yeah, so addressing the mindset, speaking to those people that are looking at all that happening, thinking they're more aware of history than probably the average person because of their age. So what do you get well, the gist of that? Well, the you've got to look at how folks approach, um, how they're trying to motivate you. Do they motivate you with fear? And so that's what many politicians do. They go negative because we react so quickly to things that scare us. And for the Christian, we're just called to be grounded. Perfect love casts out all fear. It casts it out. It has no place, right? And if, if God's for us, who can be against us? Some of this stuff you've got to, I mean, what I do with my dad, because he, he's in, uh, you know, at this age and, and he hears all this and he's, you know, your brain kind of start works a little different as you age, you look to, for more security and more safety where you're not as much as a risk taker. But I just remind him what God says. And a, a few simple scriptures. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. We are children of God, that royal priesthood. I mean, that's pretty high calling. Yeah. So I mean, who to wants us. to be the ambassador to Liechtenstein or somewhere, right? It's, it's, I'm, vote me in. I want to be an ambassador. It's a great job. You don't have the responsibility of being king. You just have to carry the king's message. Mm. Christ is king, right? Right. We just carry his message of reconciliation to the world, of liberty, of freedom, right? That, that's the message. Which is, which is why I believe that that calling for you in that realm, the political realm, still remains. Because, and, I, and I've said this, I see, I see you more as a prophet being sent from heaven into those realms more so than a politician to go in and govern in the way that they do. So whatever that, you know, when you guys think of them, pray for their family. I don't know. I mean, do you see yourself at some point going if God moves on you to step into office again or public service again? Or what does that the, look like Does for that you? mean burlap and locust? <laughs> I, 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 um, uh, I'm always available yeah. for that. I, I mean, I just, you can become a little impatient as you watch, as you mm -hmm. see things seem to deteriorate. And as fear builds in the nation, but for the Christian community, we should not be afraid. We're, we're, you know, we should not be afraid. And I think for each of us, just be ready for the call and be, yeah. and along and the be way, being to... able to sit here and do this with you is a great privilege and honor. I would have never thought something like this would be. 
and to have a church family that tolerates it and didn't all walk out. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I'm sure the people, it makes people uncomfortable. And sure. there may be even be people that didn't come today because they didn't want to hear it, you know, and that's fine. I, and I'm not trying to be political. I think people know us by now. But, you know, as a pastor, I see this more as we bring people up here that have a passion to go to Kenya and rescue girls from early forced childhood marriage. We bring people up here that talk about reaching motorcycle communities. We bring people up here that talk about providing Christmas gifts and food for families in need. To me, this is just another ministry. God has called you and laid on your heart a passion for this nation and the realm of government, which necessitates discussing politics. I see it as this is something that's on your heart and we as a church body are supporting your desire and your calling, you know, your, your, your awareness of the issues to come in and help us understand a little bit more. And, and, and I appreciate it because it's helped me, I think, navigate through how to talk about these things and not from a, from a spiritual perspective. So any last thoughts or ideas? No, I'm good. I think um, I'm optimistic just because I know who's on the throne. Right. And I think we have to just remind ourselves those things daily so we're not caught up. Another great advantage is, you know, turn off the news. <laughs> just yeah. The, the, if you, if you want to stop the poison, take out the IV, right? I mean, quit voluntarily absorbing the garbage that they're sending your way. Because it's tweaked and it's, it's designed to it, make you angry. It is designed to make you do something. Yeah. And they know how to make you do it. Right. Be careful. Um, be, be careful, careful what you so pay attention go to. Go back to the thing we hold in common. Read your Bible more. Yeah. Open the Word more. It's, it's, it's almost like I've gotten to the point where when I grab the Bible, I feel like I'm about to eat. I mean, I know it might sound a little weird. No, but I it, like it's that. Just, yeah. it's, I know what you mean. I, 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 can, I can sense the thirst, the hunger. You know, as a deer panteth for the water, so mm -hmm. my soul thirsteth after thee. And let that start to percolate up in your life, and you're going to see good fruit. You just are. And if there's fruit in our life, it's impacting others. And, and it's going to change the world. Yeah. But don't. Don't wait for somebody else to do and, it. And as that fruit bears, step into it. Don't shy away from the hard things. Don't skirt responsibility because it doesn't fit into our comfortable bubble of life. God will call us the hard things, and we may suffer persecution for our faith as we progress into those things, but it's worth it because... Back to this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, we are expecting his kingdom to reign. And I don't want to be the throttle on his kingdom, right? I don't think it's that one, but I don't know which one it was. I quoted it earlier. Anyway, but I don't want to be the throttle of that kingdom working in this earth, right? So final thought, 1 Corinthians 15, 25, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Just think about that for just a moment. <clears throat> Christ must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy being death. But his enemies are those that are trying to destroy what he loves. 
and I'm not just talking about a particular political party because that's a mindset that's being put out there too is demonizing a person or a party and it's like no what do those people believe what does that group of people want to enact how do they talk about God how do they talk about people how do they talk about biblical principles and godly values that might be an enemy the mindset and their choices and those people might be enemies of God so how do we rule and reign and influence the world around us, influence culture? We have to be willing to take that personal responsibility. And in that, you find meaning. We quoted last week Jordan Peterson where he said, you know, a lot of times people don't ever find meaning because they're avoiding difficult things. I say be willing to step into those difficult things. Be willing to sacrifice and lay down your life in some way in, in service of God, whether it be a time factor in your church or it be stepping into even political office to be a voice in that realm. Or whatever it might be, whatever God's put on your heart, do the hard thing. Let's quit as Christians avoiding the hard. Some of us, it might be, let's get our health in order. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that God is moving on us to be stewards and carriers of his kingdom. And, and expect for his kingdom to reign through you. Amen? Amen. Don't throttle it. Don't constrict it. Let him move through you. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. We are open to your wisdom. We want to follow you. We want to be obedient from the heart. And we want to walk into those things that you would call us into. We don't want to avoid the opportunities to be ambassadors in this earth. Father, we thank you for the courage, the strength, and the wisdom, and the direction Thank you that the people that can help us along those paths you're putting uh, in front of us. And so just, just for just a moment, just see yourself. You don't even have to identify anything specific right now, but just make the decision in your heart that you're going to be willing to step into whatever God would call you into. God, I will step into whatever you would call me into. Do you say yes to that? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.